I want you to think about your favorite movie of all time. Favorite all time movie. My favorite movie of all time is the movie Hoosiers. Anyone familiar with that movie? Uh, my daughter Mariah uh, will never forget that's my favorite movie because one time at a restaurant, she was trying to guess my favorite movie and she couldn't think of it. So I gave her a hint, it starts with H. And then I sounded out the first part of it for her. I said, who? And she like caught on. She, she lit up, she pointed at me and very loudly and very confidently, she said, Hooters. <laughs> close. <laughs> she, she, was, she was mortified, and I've never let her forget it since. Uh, my favorite movie is Hoosiers. You, you may not be familiar with it. It was released in 1986, so that dates myself. Um, it, it is the, based on the true story of, of a small rural Indiana high school basketball team in 1954 that overcame seemingly insurmountable odds to make their way all the way to the state championship and, and win it. And what made it so significant was during, in that day, in 1954, uh, Indiana sports did not have class systems. So the smallest schools, like the Hickory Huskers in, in Hoosiers, they would have to play the biggest schools as well in the, the state tournament. And, and, and on top of the, the fact that they had the, no class system, on top of the, the small schools, you had this first year head coach uh, who was trying to overcome so, uh, a checkered pass. You had an assistant coach and a dad of one of the players. He was battling and recovering from addiction. And, and this team, just at the start of the season, couldn't come together. So several players quit the team. By the end of the day, there was only seven players on the team. One of them, if you know the movie, his name was Ollie. He literally never played in the games. He said in the movie, the only reason I go out for basketball is to stay in shape for, for wrestling. He was of no help to the team. Well, they somehow, they came together and they went on this run all the way to the state championship. The, the movie clip I want to show you today, uh, they are now in the semifinals. Okay? Semifinals, they win this, they go, they go on. Uh, two players in this game have already fouled out. So Ollie, who never played, is in the game. In the movie, he dribbles, the, we've already, this has already happened, but he, he dribbles the ball off his foot. It goes out of bounds. Uh, he was fouled and airballed the free throw. And by the way, he shot free throws granny style between his legs like that. So he's made up fun of for that. Now there's, there's three seconds left in the game. The Huskers are down by one point. The ball accidentally lands in Ollie's hands. He tries to make the winning shot, gets fouled in the process. So now he has to make two free throws. If he misses them, the story ends. If he makes them, they, they go on for the first time ever to the state championship. No school their size had ever been in the state championship, let alone win it. So now Ollie is on the line with everything on the line. It's one of my favorite movie moments of all time. You get to enjoy today, so check out this clip. What's really sad is I went to high school in the 90s and our basketball shorts were still that short. That's what's really sad. <laughs> One of the reasons I, I love Hoosiers so much is because it's this incredible story of the most unlikely, unknown, unworthy people who accomplish the most unbelievable things. And that's exactly what I'm gonna talk to us about today in our faith as we continue this sermon series we've been in all summer long. It's called Glory. 
If you are new here today, uh, you already know my favorite movie, so you should probably know who I am. My name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here, and I'm just thrilled that all of you are here today. That includes anybody who's joining us on video somewhere. So glad that you're with us as well. Uh, here at Element Church, Pastor Andy said earlier, we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. It's what we're all about, and I do hope that all of us are able to experience each of those things as you continue to be a part of our church. This whole series is based on one verse in chapter 11 of the book of Romans in the New Testament portion of the Bible. This one verse sets up everything we've been talking about from the last five chapters of Romans. Uh, it's going to be on the screens here. Uh, I've underlined the word glory. It happens twice. When we get to that point in the verse, I want everyone to say glory with me out loud with gusto today. Uh, so Romans 11 verse 36 says this, for everything comes from him, that's God, exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Love that verse. That verse, it affects every part of our lives, or at least it should. That because of the glory of God and for the glory of God, we can and should live changed lives. That was part one of the series. That by the glory of God, that even in our differences, we can be united. That was part two. And then part three that we're going to conclude here in the uh, next couple of weeks. We got two Sundays left after this one. We're talking about how the glory of God gives us a purpose. If you've missed any of the sermons so far, you can jump on our website and watch them there, elementchurch.life, or you can listen on our podcast as well. Today's main scripture is Romans 16, verses 1 through 16. Romans 16, 1 through 16. So we're, we're picking up today right where we left off last week. And as we read through this, don't forget, Romans was a letter originally. God inspired through Paul. He wrote this letter. We call him the Apostle Paul. Uh, about 30 or so years, maybe a little bit longer, after the resurrection of Jesus. And he wrote this letter to Christians who believed in Jesus in the city of Rome. Uh, if you don't own your own Bible today, uh, we'd like to change that. We'll give you one for free. Uh, ask for, for a Bible out in the lobby and we'll get you one. The passage I'm about to read, if we're, as Christians, if we're honest, you'll see as we read it, it's the kind of stuff in the Bible that we would typically skim over in our quiet time reading or skip altogether because we think it doesn't apply to us. So if, if you're not familiar with the Bible or you're here and you don't believe in Jesus, uh, I'm not doing us any favors by tackling this text today, or maybe I am because we'll see some things here. Uh, if you are here, by the way, and you don't believe, I'm so glad that you are here. And I, and I do hope, my, my hope is that for all of us, believers, non-believers alike, that we will be able to see today in this scripture that the parts of the Bible that seem to have the least application be the least relevant can still speak to our lives today. I'm gonna to read all of it. It's a big ch uh, chunk of scripture. I'm gonna stop a few times, hopefully break it up with some humor to, to keep us engaged. So lock in with me, all 16 verses. We're gonna read them and you're gonna see how this is just like, what in the world is this? It says this. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, 
who is a deacon in the church in Centria. Welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Help her in whatever she needs, for she has been helpful to many and especially to me. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I am thankful to them, and so are all the Gentile churches. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend, Epinetus. He was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. Give my greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who were in prison with me. They are highly respected among the apostles and became followers of Christ before I did. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my friend Stachus. Whew, everybody still good? Still with me? All right, just reading those names makes a lot of us thankful for our own given names. <laughs> Greet Apellus, a good man whom Christ approves, and give my greetings to the believers from the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet the Lord's people from the household of Narcissus. Give my greetings to Tryphena and Tryphosa. They were twins. Just kidding, I don't know. Sounds good. They were the Lord's workers. And to dear Persis, who has worked so hard for the Lord. Greet Rufus, whom the Lord picked out to be his very own, and also his dear mother, who has been a mother to me. Give my greetings to Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers and sisters who meet with them, which by the way, just reading those, it sounds more like side effects from medicine than it does names. <laughs> like for real. Side effects might include as asyncritis, phlegon, hermus, protrobus, hermus. <laughs> for real, like, you know that's legit right there. <laughs> Give my greetings to Philologus, Gesundheit, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and to Olympus and all the believers who meet with them. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. Turn to the person next to you and give them. No, 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 don't give. Do not do that. All the churches of Christ send you their greetings, and now we're done. And some of you are like, all right, preacher boy, what are you doing with this one? Like, there ain't nothing you can get from that, right? Like, what in the world do we, as, as, I, as I began to look at this in the sermon plan, I literally prayed, Lord, what in the world do we do with this? It's just a list of names. Like, how can this help any of us today in our lives? Like, nobody knows who these people are. They are unlikely, unknown, and unworthy people. And God was like, now you're getting somewhere. Now you're getting somewhere. So here's what we're going to see today. And I am super excited about this sermon. It, it, it is probably the most obscure passage I've ever preached on in my life. It was so much fun to get this message ready and then to deliver it to you. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, my hope is this, that this would be an encouragement and an inspiration to all of us today to live out our purpose in this life because like Hoosiers, here's the big idea, it's on the screen. God uses unlikely, unknown, and unworthy people to do unbelievable things for his kingdom. God uses unlikely, unknown, and unworthy people to do unbelievable things for his kingdom. Which means God can use you and God can use me. Every name in this passage could be included 
with any of those descriptors from our big idea, uh, unlikely, unknown, or unworthy. But as I began to dig into and research some of the names on this list, a few kind of stood out to me. Uh, that fit into a couple of these categories. So I'm not gonna give you points today. The three points are in the big idea, unlikely, unknown, unworthy people that God uses. We're gonna kind of put them into, into categories here. So we're gonna go back to our main scripture and start diving into some names. Romans 16, one and two. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church in Centria. Welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Help her in whatever she needs, for she has been helpful to many and especially to me. So she's worthy of honor, Paul said. That one statement alone would have been revolutionary in the church and the culture in which they lived. Because in that day, women were not elevated they were not valued, and in many cases, they were actually belittled and shunned within groups of other men. And yet here, Paul starts the list with the most unlikely of people, a woman. And notice her role, a deacon in the church, a leader in the church. Now, some English versions, they, they change the word to deaconess, but in the original Greek language that this is written in, there is no male or female word for deacon. There's only one word. Like in Spanish, there might be, you know, for friend, there's a female version and male version. But in Greek, there was only one word. It's the same word for both males and females, the word deacon. The Greek word Paul used for Phoebe was diakonos, which is the same word Paul used in 1 Timothy 3 when he talks about the qualification for deacons, leaders in the church. So this is a huge, huge deal that Paul calls her a deacon. Huge deal. Elizabeth McCabe, Bible scholar, she said this, the title of Phoebe as, de as a deacon, this is amazing, accounts for the first recorded deacon by name in the history of Christianity. Phoebe is tied to a specific local church, Centria, which makes her appointment a local function. And Elizabeth said this, minister would be an acceptable translation in this regard. Hang with me for some of you who might have a very strong opinion on this, Okay. Let's jump to verse seven, and we're gonna see a very similar unlikely person, another woman this time, that appears that she may be listed as an apostle, which was the highest position in the church. Romans 16, seven. Greet Andronicus and Junia. Some versions, some English versions use the name Junius, which by the way, in all of Greek literature, both inside and outside the Bible, there has never, ever been a name recorded Junius. But some people wanted to limit women's roles in the church, and so they saw Junia in the Greek, which is only a female name, and they changed it to Junius, made up a male form of the name, and then put it in the Bible. But in Greek, there is no male name. It's only Junia, and it's only ever used for women. So greet Andronicus and Junia, who according to the Greek language would have been a woman. My fellow Jews who were in prison with me, they are highly respected among the apostles and became followers of Christ before I did. Now I do want to acknowledge that inside of Christianity and theology, there is definitely some debate as to what this verse means. So there are some people that, that say, 
Well, that phrase, highly respected among the apostles, means that Junia, she was respected by the other apostles. And then there's others that say, no, that means she was highly respected as an apostle. Now, I've not done enough research to give you like a definitive answer, but just based on the limited research I have done, this is the way I would lean. I believe this verse is speaking to the fact that Junia was actually highly respected as an apostle, not just by the apostles. At the very least, it is clear that by being in prison with Paul, Junia had leadership and authority in the church. Now, I understand, you may not be familiar with the, the debate around this, but I understand the can of worms I am opening with this, and I don't have time to unpack it. But the mere mention of Phoebe as a deacon and Junia potentially as an apostle is evidence enough to me that God here was opening a new way in the church, a new way in the culture that elevated women to a place of equality when it comes to preaching the word of God. Every, every single scholar I read believed that Phoebe was actually mentioned first on the list because Phoebe was the one that Paul chose to give his letter to and take it to the church in Rome, which was a massive responsibility. And it is a commonly held belief then that because she was the one that carried the letter, she was also the one that would go from house church to house church and read the letter to these Christians. So quite literally, Phoebe may have been the very first person ever in the history of Christianity to preach the book of Romans. That's incredible. Now, I'll let you decide, okay, before you call me a heretic or whatever, I'll let you decide whether this has anything to do with women in ministry or women preaching. But make no mistake about it, God took these two women and they were very unlikely people that he used to do unbelievable things for his kingdom. Why? Because God uses unlikely, unknown, unworthy people to do unbelievable things for his kingdom. Now jump to verse 10. To verse 10. The last part of verse 10 says this And give my greetings to the believers from the household of Aristobulus. And then the last part of verse 11 Greet the Lord's people from the household of Narcissus. What in the world is that? So no names mentioned except the household of them. So Aristobulus, the first one, he was the great grandson of King Herod the Great, which was the king during the time of, of Jesus. But Paul's greetings were not to him. They were only to those in his household whom he did not name. Then the, the, he named Narcissus is believed to be the secretary to Claudius Caesar. So the Caesar that preceded Nero, who was reigning at this time, the, this would have been one of Caesar's right-hand men. And again, Paul does not say give greetings to Narcissus, but his household. So what does that mean, those in the household of? Well, when it says, greet those in the household of Aristobulus and Narcissus, it is most likely referring to those who served in their homes as slaves. Now, every commentary I read agrees on that, every one. Narcissus, by the way, would have been dead by the time this was written. Emperor Nero killed Narcissus, but according to tradition, the new emperor would inherit that person's household but the name would still be the household of Narcissus, where they began. So it is 
very likely that the household of Narcissus is referring to Christian slaves that served in the house of Emperor Nero himself. Is that not incredible? And, and I, I, I hope it's obvious that, that neither Paul nor myself am endorsing slavery of any kind in any way. But I do think this is an amazing reminder of the fact that even in the worst of human circumstances, like slavery, God was still using these unknown people to make a difference in the home of Emperor Nero. Who was maybe the most, most, one of the most wicked emperors in the history of mankind. And yet these Christians were somehow placed in his household and had, imp had impact enough that they were mentioned in Romans. One of my favorite names in the whole section is the name Rufus, not the name itself. I'm neither for nor against that name, but the story behind the name. If I asked us who is Rufus in the Bible, most of us would have no idea, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just proving my point that God uses unknown people like Rufus in his kingdom. Uh, verse 13, Paul says this, greet Rufus, whom the Lord picked out to be his very own, and also his dear mother, who's been a mother to me. So how did God pick out Rufus to be his very own? Well, in the Gospel of Mark, uh, Mark records that Jesus, uh, when he was crucified, he was first arrested and then tortured and beaten, and then on the way to the place of crucifixion, he had to carry his own cross. Most of us, I think, are familiar enough with the story to know that Christ struggled carrying that cross after the beatings, and so the soldiers forced uh, someone else to carry his cross. Okay, well, I think we're all there on that. And what we're going to see here is what, what we could view as being at the wrong place at the wrong time. God might have used to be the exact place Rufus needed to be so that Jesus could literally enter his life. Mark 15, verse 21, Jesus was carrying the cross, says this, a passerby named Simon who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside just then. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And then the Bible adds in parentheses, Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. Is that not amazing? And it is, again, we don't know for sure, but a commonly held belief that the Rufus mentioned in Romans 16 is the same Rufus mentioned in Mark 15. So some 35, 40 years earlier, was Rufus a little child with his dad and he watched his dad carry the cross of Christ? We don't know. But if he was, whatever the case, not only did Rufus come to know Jesus, maybe through that, that moment where his father carried the cross, out of all that, though, out of all the people in Rome that Paul wanted to greet and thank for their work in the kingdom, Rufus was one of them, along with his mother, whom he didn't even give the name. He just said her mother, which, is, which she was a mother to me. Not like a mother to me. She was a mother to me, which I don't have time to get into this either. I'll just mention what a beautiful picture of the power of the family of God for this apostle Paul, who was a single celibate man. And yet he had a woman who he called mother, who was not even his mother. The power of the family of God. 
The, the slaves in the households, Rufus, his mom, others in this passage, they remind me of this. You don't have to be known by people in the world to live out a God-sized purpose for the world. You don't gotta be known by people to live out a purpose for God, that God uses unlikely, unknown, unworthy people to accomplish unbelievable things in his kingdom so we've looked at the unlikely, we looked at the unknown. The last one's the unworthy, and the reality is every name on the list is unworthy. And I can say that because I can say this, so are we. We are unworthy. And out of all the people on this list, do you know who Paul would say was the most unworthy of them all? Himself. Himself. You, you, you might actually be here right now and you're thinking, man, there's no way God can use me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the sins I've committed. You, you, don't, you don't know where I've been or what I have believed. Like there is no way God has a purpose for me like he did for Paul. Paul was an apostle for goodness sake. And yes, Paul was an apostle, the apostle that God chose to take the good news to an unreached world. But Paul was not always an apostle, if you don't know. He wasn't always a missionary for Jesus. Before Paul was a missionary for Jesus, he was a murderer of those who followed Jesus. He was literally going from town to town, arresting, torturing, beating, killing men, women, and probably children for putting their faith in Jesus, but God. That was the words Paul chose to use to describe his own faith story. But God, 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17, an amazing picture of the radical grace of God that Paul describes from his own life. He says this, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. I have a purpose even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ in my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. I am unworthy, I lead the way. But God, is there a more powerful phrase in scripture? But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners, then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. That's what we're doing right now. All honor and what? Glory. glory. There it is. All glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Is that not powerful? that God uses unlikely, unknown, and un especially unworthy people to do unbelievable things in his kingdom. Why? Because everything comes from him. 
exists by his power and is intended for his glory. That we, all of us, we are horribly insignificant in light of the glory of God, but we are unimaginably important because of the glory of God. That God's glory gives us a purpose. That no matter who you are or what you've done or where you've come from or what you have believed, God has a purpose for your life, but he first has to do something in your life. It's the greatest thing he could ever do in you based on the greatest thing he's ever done. That all of us have sinned, all of us. That sin separates us from a holy God. The bad news is if that sin goes undealt with, it becomes an eternal separation from God. To make matters worse, we can do nothing to bridge the gap between us and God. We, we can't earn our way, pay our way, uh, work our way back to God, but God, in his great love and mercy, bridged the gap for us by coming in the form of a man, Jesus, God in the flesh. He came as one of us. He modeled a perfect life for us. He died because of us, paying the price for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the dead so that any one of us, by faith in him, could be forgiven of our sins, given a new life today, power to live our lives for him every day, and one day we will spend eternity in heaven with our king. Has that happened for you yet? Have you put your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? That's the first part of God's purpose for your life, is to forgive you, give you new life, and eternal life with him. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, now's the time. You are not here by accident, just like Rufus wasn't there by accident. You are here to see Jesus pass by the price has been paid, and today, his payment can be applied to your account, and your sins will be forgiven. If that's you today and you want to put your faith in Christ, I want to lead you in a prayer. This prayer does not save you. Jesus saves you by faith in him. This prayer expresses that faith, all right? So if you want to put your faith in Christ, just silently say this to God, Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus, that Jesus, you are God in the flesh, died in my place, rose from the dead, so forgive me of all my sins, God. Wash me clean and make me new, Jesus. Come into my heart, reign in me. Give me the power of your spirit to live in a way that honors you. I'm turning, I'm repenting, turning from my old life of sin. I'm gonna now follow you by your help in a new way. Thanks for loving me this unlikely, unknown, unworthy person. I'm gonna do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you're here today and you prayed that prayer to put your faith in Christ, um, it's a prayer I have prayed in my own life before, dozens others as well. You're now a part of the family of God by faith and we want you to acknowledge that. You don't have to but I think it's very powerful to do it. And it's very safe here among those of us who already believe as well. So if you're here, you just prayed to receive Jesus as your savior. Would you do something very bold, but very safe? Just lift your hand up and leave it up and say, yep, that's me right there. Praise God. Anybody else? Praise God. Welcome to the family. Welcome. 
Praise God. Welcome to the family. I see you in the back. Welcome to the family. Amen. Welcome, brother. You're a part of the family. Anybody else that I missed? I don't want to miss anybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes, amen. Amen. Listen, it's the best decision you'll ever make. It's the hardest one you'll ever live out. And we want to help you live it out. So we wrote a devotional for you called 21. They are free. They walk you through the 21 chapters of John. And it's just a way for you to take your next steps in Jesus. You might want to sign up for the starting point group or get plugged into a group. That'd be a really, really good next step for you as well. Uh, for all of us, we should be in community. We, we, we grow better together. And so if you're not in a group, use those signups there to get in a group as well. And the, the devotions are free. Just ask for one out in the lobby. We'll get you one for free. So proud of you guys who prayed that prayer. I'm going to pray for us. And then if you just remain still just for a couple seconds, got a few closing instructions. God, you're so good. Thank you for the new life that was found in this place today. Lord, you used a list of names to speak to our hearts. There is nothing you can't do, God. Nothing. So help us, unlikely, unknown, unworthy people, Lord, help us partner with you and partner together to do unbelievable things in your kingdom. We love you and give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.